we need like to start with like an introduction of sorts. So we could say like this week on Zoe Hates Movies, we watched A Touch of Evil. No, not a touch, just touch. The Touch of Evil. No, not the Touch of Evil, just Touch of Evil. Touch of Evil. Okay, let's try it again. This week on Zoe Hates Movies, we watched Touch of Evil. It's a good enthusiasm. It might be a little bit over the top. <laughs> Welcome uh, to Zoe Hates Movies, which is what we are still calling this podcast. I'm Zoe, and I actually kind of like some movies. Okay, this is good. This is good. Introductions. So that was Zoe. Uh, I am Jason, and welcome to the podcast. So this podcast uh, exists because I like watching old movies, and... I often fall asleep in them. I make Zoe watch old movies, and... I thought if I was going to force her to watch old movies that she usually doesn't enjoy, we could at least talk about them afterwards. So this is a podcast where I, who am a movie snob, force Zoe to watch movies, and then I make her talk about them for my amusement and for you to suffer through, I guess. I don't know. It's your your life. You're listening to this for some reason. So this week we watched... Touch of Evil. Good. With we no got article it. article at the beginning. Of Here we go. For some reason. Uh, so this is a 19... Don't tell me. I want to guess. Oh, you want to guess what? Okay, good. This is a good start. So you want to guess what year this movie was made in? Yes. Go for it. What year was this movie made in? 1948. You are off by... Excuse me. I just had some water. You are off by one decade. 38? No. <laughs> No, the other way. I don't. They didn't talk about the war at all. I thought it must be post post war, but not that far. Well, they were doing a lot of drugs. This movie was made in 1958. Oh my god! Why was it in black and white? <laughs> Movies were made in black and white into the like well into the 60s. Ugh. And also, Schindler's List was in black and white. Well, I don't know what that's supposed to mean. It doesn't give me any more context at all. When was that made? The 90s. Yes. Okay. Okay. So this was written and directed and co-starred. Wait, wait, wait. I have an important question. Okay, yes, please. (laughs) I'm really sorry, but this is a real question I have. Yes? Is Orson Welles (laughs) the the handsome Mexican? (laughs) I'm just really excited about where this question is going to go. (laughs) Is Orson Welles the handsome Mexican or the mean American? So your question is, was Orson Welles starring, was Orson Welles the handsome young man with the mustache who was playing a Mexican? Or was he the old, sweaty, (laughs) drunk, drunk American police detective? Uh, The answer to that question is that he was the old, sweaty, mean American. No, really? Yes. That was not where I put my money. So the other guy was Charlton Heston. The other guy was Charlton Heston, who was definitely not a Mexican person. Yeah, uh, I, was, I don't know if it's... So this would be slightly problematic, definitely. Yeah, that's called brownface. That is definitely uh, not PC. Charlton Heston was playing a Mexican named Miguel Vargas uh, with a horrible, 
horrible use of Spanish every now and then. He was not very good at speaking Spanish. He was the worst Spanish speaker. There were, like, I believe Mexican actors or Mexican-American actors there in this were. movie. yeah. They weren't him. They were definitely not him. Um, the Mexican crime boss was uh, played by an actor named Akim Tamaroff, who was an Armenian actor. Uh, Marlena Dietrich also played a Mexican, uh, inexplicably. Oh, she was supposed to be a Mexican woman? Yes. She I was couldn't supposed tell to be by the German accent. Mexican. And the, I don't even know what... Her job was not well fulfilled. She was like, I guess, Orson Welles' ex-girlfriend? Uh, sort of. So, uh, uh, so let's, let's go through the movie a little bit and you can, you can tell us what you remember, what made any kind of sense to you. So, uh, so you, you made it through Touch of Evil. I don't know how many times you fell asleep. I didn't fall asleep. I did rest my eyes briefly. And were you conscious during this resting? What is consciousness? Really? That's a very good question. Honestly, there's so much extra stuff in these old movies. Who <laughs> Extra stuff <laughs> like what? Well, I was asleep. But I mean, I wasn't asleep, but... Okay, let me give you the gist. Yes, tell tell us what... This 1959... Eight? So eight close. ...film is about a... Okay, no, I got this. Yep. His name... <laughs> Oh, I, I said it in my head so many His times. His name is Senior Touch. <laughs> I love when I don't get your references. Um, Quinlan. Quinlan, good. Quinlan is who? Orson Welles, the mean American who's at the end of his cop career. He's yes. the DA or something. Um, and he is trying to solve a car explosion murder. But it turns out <laughs> that... Also known as a bombing. <laughs> well, I, I'm accurate, just not... Yes, uh, you are. Yes, thank you. Um, he's trying to solve this car explosion murderer, and he, it turns out, does this by planting some evidence and trusting his bad leg. But part of him framing uh, Immigrant is that um, Vargas, played by Charlton Heston, yes, very deep tan... Um, I don't think it was a tan, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, well, um, if I remember the details correctly, please, he was, you know, they kind of referred to him as a police officer from Mexico, but I think he was in the government because they also referred to him as being way up there. I would the say second. he's like kind of a Mountie or an FBI agent okay. equivalent. Well, now I'm going to federal... call him Vargas the Mexican Mountie. Yes, please. Who please do. Actually, they referred to it in the movie as not looking very Mexican. And also his wife did not look very Mexican. Which So his wife wasn't Quinlan, Mexican at all. Quinlan she was from said. Pennsylvania. Did they specifically say that? Yes. Oh. I think so. Fair enough. It's like I said, they put in a bunch of details that weren't necessary. <laughs> uh, so he gets involved because he, I think he and his wife were just trying to take their honeymoon. Mm -hmm. um, and the car that blew up drove past them. And because the bomb came from Mexico, Vargas wanted to figure out what happened. And long story short, Quinlan was crooked. Vargas <laughs> got all messed up. And somebody drugged his wife. Or so, pretended to. So who who drugged his wife and kidnapped Janet Lee? A Mexican gang of young people who swore they didn't do the marijuana. And why? <laughs> there was one point where they <laughs> talked about the marijuana and... Their uncle 
was very concerned that they would get hooked on it which i thought was quite funny yes although i think they were there was also some heroin involved so he might have been worried about the heroin too which is very understandable so why did they drug his wife they drugged his wife uh, I believe because Quinlan told them to so that he could frame uh, Vargas. Mm, can't connect any dots there. Not sure why he was doing that, to be honest. <laughs> I guess just so he, that he could keep himself clean. Very good. Mm-hmm. Sure. So the plot holds together very well, apparently. It's airtight, you would say. It's as good as Charlton Heston's Spanish. Oh, that is not very good. So... Okay. I mean, I'm not going to go through what the plot is. You clearly got it nailed down. I mean, there's there's a lot else going on. There was a crazy, like all this crazy stuff at the motel where these young kids were like trying to trick her into a drug trip. And then these cool girl gangsters were there and they didn't get enough screen time. They tried to warn her. And then this night manager was, I think they tricked him into doing drugs. He was really enjoying music and eating a sandwich. And then he turned (laughs) off the music and he felt better. But he's still really paranoid. He was very paranoid, yes. It was the 50s. I think this was just a movie to trick kids out of doing drugs. Maybe. That's a possibility. I I mean, those kids were pretty cool, though. They all had leather jackets. They all hung around with cool girls at a bar that had a jukebox. They called it the strippers, but she kept her clothes on and had some... That's also true. Cool, like jumpsuits. <laughs> yeah, strippers at the time in the 50s all had cool jumpsuits. That was what they were known for. <laughs> so that's basically Touch of Evil. I mean, there's the whole part about Charlton Heston is prosecuting a case in Mexico City for a big drug lord who's the head of the Grande family, who is who all the young kids are. Right. Their their uh, their uncle is part of the Grande crime family, and they're trying to discredit Charlton Heston and his wife by uh, by getting her mixed up. But they also didn't want Vargas to get hurt because they knew that if he got hurt, they'd be blamed. That's right. So th- they were trying there to just shake up things just on. enough. Just enough. Yes. I liked the scene at the end. Oh, I do you want to ask me what my favorite bit was? I mean, it seems inconsequential now, but yes. What was your favorite part of the movie? I like, so there's no such thing as a spoiler when the movie is 75 years old. True. Because that that was not good math. Sorry to my mom. Not that far. It's only 60. (laughs) Okay. 65. It's not a young movie, but yeah, the point holds. This is not a spoiler. So near the end, uh, Vargas hooks up another cop to a wire to try Mm -hmm. and get a confession out of this dirty cop Quinlan played by Orson Welles yes as I now know and you know I don't know a lot about 1950s recording technology but apparently you put the wire on your friend you sew it to his shirt (laughs) he goes and tricks a guy out of the bar because the piano was too loud piano played by a ghost by the way it was a player piano but yes and they were I guess they were in Texas since it was the Mexican border um, and there was an oil rig, so they were in Mexico. But oh, they were in, okay. They it were was right never on, really clear which they were side right on the border you're right. of the border they were on. Yes. So there, uh, Vargas is climbing all over this oil rig because he has to follow along his buddy cop, mm-hmm. who is recording the dirty cop. 
and he's got this giant radio, which is recording things, but also relaying them back to him really loud through a speaker. And so he's like climbing all over this oil rig and then following them. And then they start to go over a bridge and he goes under the bridge and like takes off his jacket because he doesn't want to get it wet. And he's going to follow them under the bridge. Why do you have to build a bridge? We don't Everybody know that. do that. Anyway, and then it echoes off the water. Anyway, I, I really enjoyed blaming technology after, after appreciating it. <laughs> I thought it was the 30s or 40s, so I was really impressed, but now I'm less impressed, and it's uh, still a fun scene. So your favorite part was the end where he was, he put the wire on Quinlan's buddy, and then Quinlan shot his friend, and then yeah. he oh, tried really? to shoot it's, it's, Charlton Heston. Yeah, I wanted to get see Quinlan get shot, because I didn't like his sweaty face. You didn't like Orson Welles' sweaty no, face? No, and I couldn't, I couldn't imagine him, like writing a 58 page memo about how he wanted his movie to be made <laughs> well this is this is the thing is that so so the story behind touch of evil is that uh so universal was making touch of evil this is this is what's called a film noir which you've probably heard the term before it means a black and white movie no nope. <laughs> 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 means a, it's a type of movie that is is has a, a uh, extols a certain certain dark characteristics of character and plot. Usually, they end on downers. They're very crime related, um, but also like Sunset Boulevard is considered a film noir, which we watched. Yes, I remember. You're Every making the face detail. like you don't remember it at all, but that's fine. Um, film noir is like old crime fiction, detective fiction. Um, there's a lot of like. Humphrey yes. Bogart movie, Double Indemnity is a very good example. Anyway, film noir is characterized, sort of got its start in the late 30s, and then it was very popular through the late 40s and 50s, uh, sort of uh, a representation of sort of post-war malaise in America. Mm. Uh, so Touch of Evil is what's considered sort of the, one of the last examples of classic period film noir. This is one of the the sort of this was film noir was at at its reaching its end, partly because Technicolor was being brought in and used in more film, so they wanted them brighter, cheerier. They couldn't make black and white movies anymore. Yes. Film noir was dead. <clears throat> uh, but movies were also musicals were taking off more, and there was more sort of uh, op optimism regarding regarding film at the time. So Universal was making this movie. It's adapted from a novel called Badge of Evil, and Orson Welles... That title makes more sense. Orson Welles is going to play Quinlan, and the story goes that they wanted to sign Charlton Heston on to play Vargas, and Charlton Heston heard that Orson Welles was involved, and he got very excited about being directed by Orson Welles, who had not yet signed on to direct the movie, hmm. and so Universal realized that if Orson Welles was directing, Charlton Heston would be more likely to star, so they asked Charlton Heston to direct. That's one story. I don't know if that's a true story. Orson Welles at this time had been sort of stuck in Europe directing movies that didn't really go anywhere. His career was kind of at a low point. So he thought this was his chance to sort of get back to America and do a movie and that he would be off and running again once he did this. So for for Orson Welles, this was like a big second chance. <clears throat> Trouble was that he made what I think is a pretty great movie, um, but I've watched it a couple times. So 
uh, he made what, what was a very stylish, you know, you'll notice probably there were a lot of interesting camera angles and very like claustrophobic. There was one shot. I was like, that's a cool shot when they're in a jail and he was walking down a hallway, which would have been a really boring shot, but they mm-hmm. had shot, shined lights through uh, some bars in a cell so that they were a shadow on the wall. Totally. Just had a little interest. And it, it famously opens with a very long single take. I think it's about five, it's four minutes. So we open on the bomber setting the timer on the bomb. And from then until the actual explosion, it's one long take that crosses the border with, with Charlton Heston and Janet Lee. You're waiting, you're thinking, oh, wait, how long did he set it for? Exactly. I know it's going to blow. Ah, the tension. So there's tension good. in that. So, but, so he made a very stylish uh, film, uh, Wells did. Uh, but Universal sort of famously recut it, and Wells didn't like it at all. So he wrote them uh, a 58-page memo, sort of very carefully detailing what he would like them to change, and they did none of it. So they released Touch of Evil as literally a B-movie. Um, at the time, movies were released with two features, There'd be like a night at the movies. So you'd go to the movies. There'd be a newsreel, a short cartoon. There'd be the first feature, the B feature. The the B feature? The B feature. Thank you. Not about bees, but B. I thought beef. Oh, not beef. No. (laughs) Oh, you're making a joke about beef. Yeah. I'm sorry. I tried. I didn't hear you. Try it again. I'll laugh. A beef eater? (laughs) No, a B feature. I don't... I don't get what you're doing. Carry on. So you'd have a the shorts, the newsreel, the B feature, an intermission. <laughs> Do you think I'm saying beef eacher? Yes. What is what is an eacher? It doesn't matter. <laughs> no, it does not. So you'd have the shorts, you'd have the newsreel, you'd have the B feature. Stop saying that over. You'd have the B feature. And then you would have the A feature, which was like the big the star of the night. <laughs> oh, we're not gonna like get a lot of podcasting done after this, are we? <laughs> no, we're good. I'll run out of steam. Okay, okay. Please carry on. Okay. Sorry. So unfortunately, Touch of Evil was released as a B feature. I don't know how to work this thing to turn it off. Uh, and it was not the box office hit that Orson Welles was hoping for. It didn't. Uh, it didn't really bring him back. Uh, in any, his B feature didn't really save his career, uh, unfortunately. Uh, but uh, sort of over over time, it was very. It was a much more popular in Europe, uh, especially with sort of. Um, the cineast crowd in, in France and the film critics, uh, people such as Truffaut at the time uh, was was very, uh, Francois Truffaut was very uh, appreciative of it and, and likened it He's to... He's the guy who had those tapes with Hitchcock. Right? Yes. Good memory. Thank you. Very good memory. So, uh, and over time it has sort of grown in, in appreciation. People have sort of come to realize it as... You know, especially looking back at the sort of history of film noir and, and what this represented in terms of that movement, it's become kind of more 
more appreciated. And then in 1998, Universal uh, decided to do a, uh, a recreation of of the edit using using Wells um, that 58 page memo that he wrote for Universal. And they got editor Walter Murch, who is an Academy Award winning editor who did Apocalypse Now, The Godfather, uh, The English Patient, and other things, who came in and sort of recut Touch of Evil to Wells specifications. So that's the version we watched, which is quite different. Yeah, I was just going to ask, what's what's a big difference you can pull I mean, a point for me? Uh, I mean, a big difference, like right off the top, is like, so there were in the original version, this opening credit sequence had one had one musical score under it, a, a, a sort of bossa nova type music, and then there were titles all over it at the top, which Wells sort of thought felt ruined the uh, the effect of what he was going for, which he's he wanted you to hear the different songs playing from different places and people talking, and he wanted the impression that as you moved with the camera that you would sort of hear sort of you would get the sense of moving from Mexico into the US through the sound design and Universal just sort of slapped some bossa nova music and then splashed titles all over it so that people weren't even paying attention to the screen which Wells didn't like at all so there were things like that and then a lot of various shots and like things that just that Wells didn't like so and the difference was like ended up being something like 14 minutes of extra footage was added in so it's a longer movie right um there was a lot more intercutting back and forth between uh janet lee's story and charlton heston's stuff so and and that version people have sort of rightly claimed is an even better version of it. so there's that you know that's me nattering on about touch of evil for a long time so janet lee is do you know much about her, Charles Neston's wife. Really? In, in, no, just in the movie. Sorry. Oh, wait. I was thinking Orson Welles again. I can't tell them apart. I mean, what if you saw them next to each other? Um, no, I don't know anything about Janet Lee, but so, she, they gave her a lot of gratuitous, like nighty shots. I and mean, I thought, uh, oh, for the forties is quite postcode. Even for the fifties. <laughs> yes. So she gets into some trouble here in a motel. In Touch of Evil, she's famous for getting into trouble in another motel. Do you know what that might be? Oh, was it Psycho? Yes. I mean, that wasn't the name of the hotel, but no, that is a movie I have fallen asleep in twice. Yes, and you're going to fall asleep uh, in it Third again. Third time's the charm, dear. Third time's the charm. You're going to fall asleep in it again. Uh, she's also Jamie Lee Curtis's mom. Oh. So there's that. Uh, and with Tony Curtis. What about Vivian Lee? Are they related? I don't think they're related. I don't know. That's okay. You got but me on that one. I just... Who's Vivian Lee? Well, she was married to Laurence Olivier, I believe. What? I did a project on Laurence Olivier in junior high school. Really? When I had to make a website, and someone I knew was very into uh, Laurence Olivier. And Why so are you I... watching a Laurence <laughs> Olivier movie right now? Well, because so I've already many. done my penance for the evening. Not true. <laughs> uh all right so that's touch of evil i mean so did you like the movie did you what did you think about touch of evil i gotta say i stayed awake throughout the entire thing now for you that is possibly the highest rating a movie can get well let's not be too dramatic here 
um, I I enjoyed it. There are some interesting bits. It, mm-hmm. You know, just like movies of that era, it drags a little compared to what I have been conditioned to enjoy as a 21st century movie watchist. Mm. And uh, <laughs> the watchist. I <laughs> I am the watchiest. You know, I was kind of more interested in like I I want to what's the story of the uh, Mexican gang, right? And and that side of things. Um, so not bad by any stretch. Uh, do you think what what do you think this has to, like sort of in an era right now where like the U.S. Mexican border is is sort of a hot topic again? Do you think this is like timely in any way? No. No. No, let me think about it for a second. No, let's just go with your first answer. Uh, I think. <laughs> I, they got through the border very quickly, but that's because they were American-ish enough. Yes. To get through. Uh, and there are some interesting relations going back and forth. So this was a movie worth staying awake for, you felt? I wouldn't rewatch it. No? But okay. I'm I'm not feeling like it wasn't nice nicely spent time or anything. Okay, do you want to rewatch it again right now? Well, no. If if we had to watch it, I'd watch the other version though to to compare. Oh, that's interesting. But you know what? Maybe give me a year. A year. Well, there's so many other movies out there, Jason. Okay. Do you want me to? So watch so. Psycho, et well, here's here's the thing. I thought this <laughs> this was an interesting pick because because last week we did which movie did we do last time? I don't know if it's gonna be last week when these when these are actually on. There's been uh, probably honestly, two weeks. The name escapes me, but they spent like two hours in a courtroom. So we last time we watched Witness for the Prosecution. Uh, with, Witness. Which is the Billy Wilder movie. Do, no, do your old-timey radio. For the radio. prosecution. Witness for the prosecution. Yeah, like that. Old-timey radio voices. That was from the 40s, right? That was, you know what? I feel like maybe. Maybe. Didn't mean to put you on the spot. No, I don't know. It could have been early 50s as well. Anyway. So we did Witness for the Prosecution last time, the Billy Wilder movie starring Charles Lawton and Tyrone Power and Marlena Dietrich. And then Marlena Dietrich is here in Touch of Evil. So we have a few ways we can... What's nice about Touch of Evil is there's a lot of people in it that we could... If right, we, we, we got make Charlton Heston, we got Orson Welles. Well. So we have we Charles Heston, Jenna Lee, Orson Welles. So I wonder what uh, movie we should do next. I'd say that we could like let the internet decide, but... There may not be an internet to decide for us yet. There might not be an yet. internet. That's exhausting. Let's well. not put that power into anybody else's hands we'll yet. We'll decide it for ourselves. You've served me well-ish so far. <laughs> All right. So Touch of Evil is a movie worth uh, staying awake for if you're a Zoe who hates movies or if you're just a person who doesn't. Uh, for me, I, I think it's fantastic, but I'm, an, I'm a nerd and I quite like Orson Welles style. Uh, so to end off the, the podcast... I, th- I, I think it's a good idea to let you recommend something that you actually enjoy as opposed to being forced to watch old movies uh, with the bribe, agree. the bribe of wine. So this week I'm going to recommend cinnamon bun waffles. This is a surprise to me, but I, I can't disagree with the choice. Tell us about cinnamon bun waffles. So I have been enjoying waffles recently and a friend of mine suggested to me cinnamon bun waffles and i looked it up and there was a super simple recipe Mm -hmm. where you just go find yourself those cinnamon buns in a tube they sell them in the dairy aisle in our grocery stores in a tube in a tube you just don't want to mention the brand name because they didn't pay me (laughs) 
Oh, I see. So, no buzz marketing. We're waiting for some sponsors. I'm open. <laughs> so you take... In... If, here, if you make cinnamon buns in a tube, here's in... your chance to get on the podcast. The opportunity is here. It's, and now... It's the opportunity of a cinnamon bun tube lifetime. Let me give the recipe, Jason. Tube this is buns. important information. Brought to you by the makers of tube steak. <laughs> it's, I don't think that's true. Get your buns in a tube today. I'm working, on my ad, I'm working on my ad copy. Okay. Two buns. Good job. They're buns in a tube. <sighs> the recipe for in a this world delicious where waffle contain buns. You just talked for 14 minutes. One man and <laughs> one woman. All right, all right, all right. Tell me about your tube buns. Your bun so waffles. you take the buns out of the tube. You have to separate them slightly. In my case, I'm a fan of cardamom, delicious spice. Although, were you watching the clock for how long I was talking? No, I was busy listening. Oh. It's just an estimate based on my feelings. So I unrolled the individual unbaked cinnamon buns, sprinkled a little cardamom in there, rolled them back up, Mm -hmm. put them in my waffle maker for a few minutes. It came out delicious. But that's not all. But wait, there's more. There is more. These tubes come with uh, frosting. So add a little cardamom to the frosting, mix it up, put it on the waffles. Fantastic. So to recap, your recommendation of a great thing that you very much enjoy (laughs) this week is... Cinnamon bun waffles. Nice. Uh, That's great. I. That feels like a complete podcast. I feel like we talked about the movies or anything. Is there anything we didn't talk about that you would like to? The silence is really good radio. People love it. Nothing at all. Okay. Well, then we'll call it a night. Uh, this was fun. This was felt this yeah, felt good. I agree. You agree? I was hilarious. You were you were hilarious. Remember People... that beef feature thing? I... <laughs> <laughs> I remember you laughing a lot about it, but so long ago. Oh, good times. All right, let's wrap it up. See you so, next week. It's, I don't. It's not for Zoe hates movies. I'm Zoe. And I am Jason. Uh, Thank you for listening. Have a uh, good day, whatever you're doing. Probably folding laundry while you're listening to this. Whatever you like. Outro music, go. Do we have outro music? Should we? This is it. Oh, sorry, go ahead. That was really good.